Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Kim Rodriguez. She is the president, CEO, and co-founder of Assessa Health. She's done an incredible job in the health and devices industry. Previously, she served as president and CEO of Halt Medical. Prior to Halt, she was the senior vice president of the vascular intervention business at Spectronetics, a publicly traded cardiovascular company acquired by Royal Phillips for $2.2 billion. Before that, she served in a series of global senior leadership roles across sales, marketing, therapy development, and general business management at J&J. Blockade Medical and acquired by Bolt International, Concentric Medical acquired by Stryker Neurovascular, Guidant Corporation acquired by Abbott. There's a theme here, folks. Uh, if you're in med device, you're going to want to stick around for this one, but even beyond because the, the silos are more interconnected than we think. And today we're going to be focused on women's health in particular and the work that she and her team are, are doing at Assessa Health. We got to change things. We got to make them better. So uh, her background obviously is a track record of success. She received her executive MBA at the University of Southern California Marshall School of Business and also a BS in management from Pepperdine University. So it's incredible the work that they're doing. We want to raise awareness for women's health and um, the opportunity is, is large. Uh, so, so Kim, an incredible opportunity to have you here with us today. Thanks for joining. So thank you very much for the opportunity. So tell me a little bit about what got you into the business. I mean, you, you've had an incredible track record, Kim. What, what's the genesis of it all for you? Sure. So I, you know, my mother was a nurse taking care of elderly and children. And as a result, growing up watching her, you know, I was in high school and enjoyed volunteering at the local hospitals and opened my eyes broadly to, to healthcare. And you know, if you're passionate about helping people and making a difference in their lives, working in healthcare can be one of the most rewarding career choices there is. I'd originally planned to go to medical school or become a physician assistant, which drove me to work in the hospital through college. And I had actually, it, through that experience, met some medical device sales reps in the cardiac cath lab and operating room. And they actually hired me away and the rest was history. I was completely hooked by the opportunity to bring business and med tech and technology together in healthcare. I fell in love with, with the business side of it. And you know the advancements and innovations available to change standard of cares in a meaningful way. Love it. A great uh, beginning story there. And you know, as you know, Kim, my home and, and the healthcare space is also med device. So I, it totally resonated with me when you Tell the story about how those reps got you and <laughs> <laughs> they sucked you in. Yeah. Um, like business people in scrubs. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> like, tell me a little bit more. This is interesting. I love it. And, and uh, gosh, I mean, you've, you've done such uh, meaningful work and been part of companies that have been challenging the status quo. And here you are again with Assessa Health. I'd love to hear Maybe just to level set with the listeners, what is Assessa Health? What, do you guys are, what are you guys focused on and why is it different? So Assessa Health is a women's health medical device company, as we've talked about. 
And we have a gynecology-driven, minimally invasive solution for women who are suffering from uterine fibroids. And uterine fibroids are actually benign growths in a woman's uterus that uh, can be numerous and you know, sized from you know, as small as a blueberry to as big as a grapefruit. And they're debilitating for women. A lot of women don't talk about it. A lot of women suffer in silence. It's a very large market. They actually affect 70 to 80% of women before 55 years of age. And more women of color are actually impacted than white women. The standard of care today is a hysterectomy where you cut the uterus out or a myomectomy where you cut the fibroids out, Mm -hmm. both of which are major surgery. And so Assessa is an alternative to that. Our procedure, it's a same-day procedure. There's no cutting, no suturing, no suturing, no opioids. Women go home on a Tylenol. They're back to normal activity in about three to five days. Our FDA-cleared system uses heat to destroy the fibroids in a targeted fashion so we can treat each one individually. And you know, women are getting fantastic symptom relief And again, getting back to their lives very quickly compared to what's been available for decades. Well, I think it's great. And we have to take a look at things like this. Why do an entire, you know, uterus removal, which is, (laughs) or even cut the fibroids. So you guys are going in and, and is it radiofrequency ablation? It is. We use radiofrequency ablation, which, you know, heats up the tissue to a point of destroying it and it breaks down over time and then it's the fibroids are absorbed within the uterus over time. And Kim, what is the thing that causes pain? Is it growth and impingement? Is it nerve? Like wh- wh- where's the pain coming from? Yeah, all of the above and as well the amount of blood that it takes to kind of feed the fibroids. So some of the symptoms include bleeding, bulk, abdominal pain, urinary frequency or pain, uh, sexual, you know, pain or pain with intercourse. And, you know, when I say bleeding, I I like to kind of come back to that for a moment. When I talk about bleeding, this is bleeding to the point of where a woman at work is sitting on a trash bag, like Mm. a lot of bleeding, uh, and, and really getting in the way of her ability to, to function during the day, take care of her kids or, or be at work and not be embarrassed and in the bathroom, you know, Mm. every few minutes, many of these women are admitted to the ER for blood transfusions and often have anemia. So, and and again, they're, they're doing all of this in, in silence. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, it's terrible. And, you know, I think it's, uh, something that let's take the negative thoughts out of this, the negative stigma and uh, it's it's normal, right? I mean, you, it it happens, and and pre fifty, you said, right? Mostly, correct. Women, bef- you know, they say you know seventy eighty percent before fifty five years of age, and it's interesting. Why is what, that? You know, they don't know. It's yeah, you know, you'll ask gynecologists, you'll ask the societies, and nobody really knows why and what the source is. But it is a very big problem. Wow. Well, I, I think it's great that. You guys have, have thought about a, a new way to approach it, less invasive, no opioids. I mean, all these things matter. And, and so tell us a little bit about how you've improved outcomes with this procedure thus far. Sure. So in terms of improving outcomes, you know, we've we've advanced the technology over the last decade. And with that comes, you know, training of laparoscopic surgeons on the procedure, expanding access for the procedure for women, and gaining category one CPT code and reimbursement for women so that 
women throughout the United States can have it. We actually have half the United States covered with insurance. We have a little ways to go, but we've made tremendous progress in that. One of the challenges with new technology is gaining not only the FDA clearance, but as well the reimbursement. And very pleased by our team and our progress toward that reimbursement, but we do have a little ways to go to expand the access. In terms of, you know, really what we're doing is we're providing better outcomes at a lower cost. And if you think about it, employers are benefited by this in that there are less missed days of work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, women have a quicker recovery as opposed to taking six to eight weeks off. They're taking, you know, three to five days off. Payers are benefiting from the lower cost procedure and then the episode of care over time out to say 15 months. And then physicians have a value proposition in terms of offering their patients an alternative to major surgery. So they have more options when it comes to the conversations with their patients. And most of all, of course, patients, you know, they really do appreciate keeping their uterus, maintaining the integrity of their uterus, not cutting into their uterus and getting back to life quickly. Yeah, no, these are, these are some great outcomes, Kim. And thinking about the, um, the progress that you've made, the FDA approval, the coverage, getting a CPT code, Where's that gap? What's what's left? I mean, you know, you said covered half of the U.S. What's left for you guys to gain there? Sure, clinical data. Continuing to collect clinical data on the long-term outcomes, as well as studying uh, subsets of patients and understanding how different patients might react. You know, payers like to see randomized clinical trials compared mm-hmm. to standard of care. They like to see large data sets and then subset data in order to make their decision to provide reimbursement coverage. And again, this patient population is commercial coverage and Medicaid. So it's not Medicare. Uh, We're very focused on the commercial and Medicaid group. The biggest challenge is doing a randomized clinical trial to a standard of care that is really not something people want. And Mm -hmm. so you have, you know, just ethical issues around doing that. And then just patients not wanting to enroll in a randomized study. So we're finding ways to do the comparative data either through meta-analyses. We actually have a very large registry ongoing now where we're, we're comparing, not in a direct randomized way, but, but comparing with, with equal data sets, myomectomy where you cut the fibroids out versus, versus a, an assessor. So, so we are doing that and we believe that's what's required to get the rest of the payers. Wow. Very cool. And and for all the payers listening today, hey, you guys and gals are, are doing a phenomenal job of vetting these technologies. And and when you have a technology like the assessor procedure, you know, I think it's it's also imperative that we think about it with our own research teams, right? I know, you know, a lot of payers you have your research facilities, you do what you do. Maybe it's an opportunity to partner and find a way forward. Because I think the, the, the again, you know, we talk about silos and, and we got to work together. It's not, you know, us versus them. So uh, incredible work by Kim and her team there and, and a call to action to the payers listening. It's a great procedure. And, and, and if, I could, if I could just add, I think that, sure. that's great. You know, we have 47 publications. And again, the technology itself has been FDA cleared since 2012. So it is making a huge difference to the ecosystem within healthcare and in terms of the payers, you know, this is something that's going to save them money and it's going to be better for their employers and the employers, you know, employees. So, you know, again, that call to action is to take a serious look at women's health and the standard of care and think about how minimally invasive alternatives are important and holding a standard of randomizing to 
something that is major surgery may not apply as it might in, in different areas. No, I think it's a great, great add on there, Kim. And it highlights, you know, it's not, you guys didn't just get FDA approval yesterday. You guys guys have been at it for a while and have been very, very thoughtful about your approach. And a question that came into my mind, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably thinking too, it's, so you're ablating these, these uterine fibroids. What's the difference between that and, and actually doing a a fibroidectomy and the impact on maybe having a child after that? Like, you know, is there anything to talk about there? Sure. So we don't have a specific indication for women who desire a future pregnancy. However, you know, so that that's a warning in our label and one that we're studying and investigating. We do have a study ongoing to look at this patient population. That's the subset I was referencing earlier. Mm -hmm. And we have incidentally through our work recently published 30 patients who became pregnant post-assessive procedure. And so that's interesting. And it's also encouraging uh, because today the only procedure a woman can have who wants to go on and have children is a myomectomy where you cut the fibroids out, as you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. The challenge is is that those patients will have to go on to have a C-section because of the fear of uterine rupture due to cutting and suturing. Mm. In our publication, 50% of those patients delivered vaginally without a C-section. So we're encouraged, uh, but we're also taking our time to to purposefully study this to make sure that it's safe for women. Love it. Thanks for for sharing that. I know I I probably wasn't the only one thinking it. So (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that. And and what would you say you're most proud of in your career thus far, Kim? Mm, I would identifying great talent, seeing careers soar. That makes me incredibly proud. Um, Building teams, accomplishing goals together. I've worked with some of the best teams in the business, including the team at Assessa Health. And, and I'm just so proud of what we've accomplished together from you know, launching first of, it, of its kind products. You know, Assessa Health is the first and the only laparoscopic radiofrequency ablation technology that's available that has wide reimbursement coverage. I've been part of teams in the past where we've changed the standard of care from either major surgery or doing nothing to solving big problems. And then, you know, just finding new ways to attack common problems. So it's a, it's a big answer to a question, but it really is about talent and teams and the work that, that I've done with so many great people for the last 20 years. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks for sharing that. And, and how about a business accomplishment that you're most proud of? Hmm. Finding a way mm-hmm. to do it all as a woman yeah. at the executive level yeah. and, and balancing the family and the commitments and the things that women do and still lead teams and lead an organization and lead big change, in my mind, is a big business accomplishment. (laughs) I would agree with you. Congratulations. And what's one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced? What was the key learning you got out of it? At one of my previous companies, we actually did two acquisitions in, I believe, two to three quarters. And our management team, you know, we worked really hard to put a very good plan together, but certainly made some missteps. And mm-hmm. I think this would resonate with anybody who's done M&A that, you know, you put together these deal models and then you're driving towards these deal models. And we, we overestimated how quickly we could integrate the companies together. We underestimated the importance of company culture when making mm-hmm. the acquisition. And I learned that, that culture can make or break the merger or the acquisition 
and the speed at which you can, you know, live into those deal models that you set up before you entered into that uh, transaction. So how do you, how do you measure that culture? Uh, you get to know people through the process yeah, and have to assess what the, where the alignment is and where the gaps are. And it's kind of like a marriage in any other relationship you're in, right? If you can get 80% of it right, you can work out the other 20%. Mm -hmm. And if you've got really big gaps and big red flags, then, then pause and don't get so excited about integrating a technology in your company if, if it's not going to work from a culture perspective, because it's just not worth damaging the company culture to get your hands on a new product. Love it. It's a great call out, you know, and a great reminder that when you do acquire you don't just acquire the technology, you, you, you acquire the legacy team that comes with that, <laughs> the engineers <laughs> and, and, and beyond. And, and trust them and appreciate them. And, you know, they built the company that you want to buy. So don't disregard who they are and what they bring to the table. Because that's the other side of it. Many of the acquiring companies just quickly take over and, and miss the magic of what the original team had done. I think that's awesome. A great learning. And what are you most excited about today, Kim? Well, we have a big vision. Uh, our vision is to change the standard of care for women who are suffering from uterine fibroids. And we're looking forward to a great year in 2020. We've, with increasing number of women, gaining access to the procedure as we work uh, with more and more gynecologic surgeons throughout the U.S. We've also you know, been thinking about the future and how we can leverage uh, the Assessa brand, as well as the procedure that's been developed to expand indications, as we've talked about, as well as it being a platform technology for other applications. So there's you know, an incredible future here. We have a big unmet need. And I know I speak on behalf of our team that we are just so thrilled to you know, finish up 19, celebrate, and uh, kick off 2020 in, in a bigger way. Love it. Lots to be excited about. And if you all are wondering how to learn more, their website is assessaprocedure.com. It's A-C-E-S-S-A procedure.com. You could go and learn some more. We'll also have that link on the show notes when you go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Kim Rodriguez in the search bar. You'll see everything there. So if you could have a lunch with anybody, Kim, who would it be? Ooh, um, there's a bunch. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Well, first, Jesus Christ. I'd like Jesus. to talk about how he influenced humanity in the last 2,000 years, and I'd, I'd have a ton of questions. You know, maybe George Washington and Abe Lincoln. I'd, I'd like to talk to them about the last decade of our government <laughs> country. And then, for completely sentimental reasons, I'd, I'd love to chat with my father, who passed away when I was younger. Oh, oh I love it. Love it. So Kim, what is your number one health habit? Mm, an early morning routine, you know, good food, reflection, reading, and working out. For me, it's all about that balance of mental, spiritual, and, and physical. I think that if I could get my day started well, then, you know, the rest of the day is easy. Love it. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received? So as a woman in leadership, one of my mentors told me that, you know, early on as I was climbing the corporate ladder and thinking about family, you know, she said to me, she, she had a very big job at Medtronic and mm -hmm. said to me that if I plan to lead at an executive level and have a family that you have to buy time. You know, she said that, 
you know, the only thing you can't get back is time and it's often wasted on the wrong things. So, Mm. you know, focusing my energy on what was most important was key in balancing, you know, high performance work and happy life at home. And, you know, so I apply today a lot of that in my life and as well with my team, you know, I'm constantly challenging the team. What are the top three things that are going to impact the business or your department or your life. And so, you know, that focus is key. And so, you know, her advice was buy time where you can. So try to work on that. Love it. It's great advice for anybody listening to this podcast, buy time where you can. And as a, as a female health leader or a leader in general, so key to do that. Kim, this is incredible. I mean, the work that you guys are up to today, the time we're spending today to raise awareness around women's health the opportunity is to change the standard of care. You guys are doing that. And and a call out to the women listening to this to just trust your intuition. You know, there's, don't be afraid to ask for a second opinion, right? There's, there's more procedures out there like this to help you and your health so that you could lead a, a happier, healthier life. So Kim, share a closing thought with us and, and then the best place for the listeners could continue the conversation with you. Sure. So I think, you know, in terms of those out there looking to to build companies, change standards of care, advance solutions like we are at Assessa Health, be patient, be focused, build a great team and a corporate foundation that can thrive and always aim, at least in healthcare, to improve outcomes at a lower cost because ultimately that's where we need to be in order to have innovation available. And then don't forget why we do what we do. Our mission is for our patients. And, you know, that will give us, you know, the perseverance to weather whatever storm we face, right? So in terms of contacting me, of course, the assessaprocedure.com. And then I am on LinkedIn, uh, Kim Rodriguez with Assessa Health. Outstanding, Kim. Again, I want to recognize the work that you and your team are doing to improve women's health and um, want to congratulate you on the on the success thus far. And and wish you success, even greater success as the, the months and years uh, uh, follow. So thanks for your time. So thank you very much. Humbled by your comments and as well as your interest in our story. Uh, so thank you for taking the time. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.